This, 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 this is mythical. Welcome to Ear Biscuits. I'm Link. And I'm Rhett. This week at the round table of dim lighting, we are exploring the question, why am I, Rhett, growing out my hair and beard? Why are you growing out your hair and beard? Hair and beard. You're growing out your hair and beard. Hair and beard, not my hair and beard. <laughs> That'd be a different thing. It'd be a beard shaped like a heron, which is a bird. <laughs> well, you know what? It it is it starting to assume the shape happen. of something that could, it it's it's curling forward in the front, and it's almost like there's a beak. It could be from a. Oh, I would say okay. I'm listening. I'm on board for this. Hold on. So I'm on board for you talking you, about. Hold on. Your you just cut your your facial own, hair. You cut yourself short. And your hair, and head then hair. just said, "Okay, I'm on board." Why are we talking like this today? We're talking very staccato. <laughs> staccato. <laughs> now, is it? Are you tease huh? me? I'm on board, but they may not be. So what? Are tease you, it. You mean what like are you saying? this? Teasing? Te- don't tease my your hair. hair? Hey, there's there's something to this. Like okay, well, there's rumblings of reasons. So apparently there's enough to talk about. For I, don't, I mean, this may be an announcement to you, but yes, the plan is to grow my hair and my beard out and I have a reason. I, well, I, knew, I knew you were gonna do it. This is not news, but uh, and it I've may only not heard seem, the rumblings of the specifics. So. And it may not seem like the kind of thing that warrants a, a, a conversation on your biscuits, but you know, I think we've demonstrated that it doesn't take much to warrant a conversation on your biscuits. But is there, is it, is there something to this? Like, is this gonna go somewhere? This conversation? I mean, like, I, I certainly hope so for the sake of the entertainment of the people. You're who not listen. really selling it well. Like, I'm looking for a teaser, like, yes, and what I'm really going to talk about. I have a deeply personal reason that I'm doing it. How's and there a, it is. How's that for a tease? You have a deep, so it it's not a shallow thing. There's a deep I element. I mean, there could be shallow elements to it as well. We'll explore all that. Okay. All right. But it started in a deeply personal place. All right. I, I hereby commit to being actively engaged in <laughs> ripping you to shreds, but also supporting you emotionally. Okay, that's interesting. In this conversation. <laughs> okay, um, before we get into your heron beard, um, I can't figure out if this is something to celebrate because it, it, it might come across as bragging. And, be um, a braggy daddy. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to figure out how Just I want to approach man. this, but um, I got a new car. Hey, Link, look at you, man. <laughs> look at me, man. And this is not a normal thing for you. This I don't is get, a long time coming. Yeah, like, um, I've been driving this Scion XB that we bought together. Mm-hmm. How many years ago? Like, you've, you've been through a number of cars and I've just been driving this Scion XB. When we first, just to step back a little bit, when we, I don't know when it was. When we first moved to LA, we we towed my family minivan behind a U-Haul truck, and then you you took over the lease from somebody in Santa Monica. Yeah, fun fact, life tip. Uh, I didn't know this was a thing, but if you need a car for a, a short period of time, and I needed a car for six months. Because we were saying we were we were gonna be here for six months in furnished apartments. Right. We didn't move all of our stuff. You can actually. You left a car back in North Carolina, I, I guess. Yeah, I did. Two of them. You can take over someone else's lease, and there are different websites where you can do it. So it's much cheaper 
than renting a car. You don't want to rent a car for six months. And if you're in a situation like I was and couldn't borrow a car because I was going to a new place where I didn't know anybody, you can take over somebody's lease. I did it. It was a Saturn. I went, the only time I, went, I drove a Saturn and then Saturn just quit making cars. I went with you to pick it up. Culver City. So that I, had, I drove you there because Uber wasn't really popping yet. No, it wasn't Culver City. It was all the way, it was at the beach almost. It was it like was, Cerritos was long way. or something. And we, if I remember correctly, we like went into this guy's apartment. It's like if you go on Craigslist to buy like a bike or something. You like meet a guy at his apartment, you buy it, but for you it was taking over the lease of a car. It felt a little clandestine. It, yeah, I was like, I don't know if I actually took it over, I just got the keys and drove away. But there was paperwork and, and cash involved. Yeah, but it was all, all the paperwork was with the bank. And then our second car, when, you, when we settled into living here, I think. we leased a Ford Fusion. Ford Fusion. With, as a company car, which I drove, and then I would, I would come to your house because we worked in your backyard. Well, between the two families. You didn't have a car. Between the two families, we had three cars total. So y'all had a minivan, uh, we had an SUV, and that was what Jesse and Christy drove because they needed to take the children And around. then we shared a car. And then we shared a car because I didn't have a commute. Right. And then we started we did commuting. that for a good while. And then we bought, speaking of cash, we bought the Scion um, because that's the car that you had back in North Carolina and you liked it because it was, it was, it had storage capacity and it was, it worked it's for a tall guy. It's actually good for a tall person. So you could sit up. Still sit is. Up. Scion's one of the best cars for a tall person. And we had this idea to buy it in cash. Like we had this vision of taking out the cash well, I think that when people said you buy a car in cash, we literally thought that meant that you took a stack of cash into the dealership. Well, and then. It just really means you just don't finance it. Yeah, it just means you like get a cashier's check. But we then, literally took a stack, I, I'm sure we, we told this story. Yeah, we, we took, took a it, cash, a cash how much money? How much money did Sion cost? It was $18,000. Okay. And we put eighteen thousand dollars in an envelope and walked. I thought around, it was going to be a freaking. Around I thought we were going to have to get a duffel bag. I don't know. I, I just didn't really think about really it. It's not really that much. I mean, I could have put it in my pocket, and you would have just thought I was excited. Well, I mean, yeah, it's because not, it's not that much money. Yeah, because it's if you get a thousand dollar bill, does it's only eighteen. Of we those. didn't get those. Do exist, but I've never seen one. We got we got it in hundreds. Yes, yeah, so we got a, eighteen. No, we got a hundred and eighty. $100 bills. Yeah, you don't need a duffel bag for that. And then we like gave it to the guy and he like looked at us kind of weird cuz it's still like it's like one stack of It's I mean it's what rappers talk about doing. They got bands. Yeah. I want to do it more often. He had to take the money and put it in a counter. Yeah, it took twice. They had to count it twice cuz you know, it's a lot of cash. <laughs> so, I've been driving that thing around for years. I backed into somebody in a Ralph's parking lot. The bumpers all crapped out. What tail lights busted? What tail? The tail lights been busted for over a year. I've just been driving it. You know? It, I mean, yeah. it's got Bluetooth connectivity to my phone. I can listen to music. That's all you need, Bluetooth. Although I read recently, you should turn your Bluetooth off because it is highly susceptible to hacking security breaches. You should turn your airdrop, first just turn your, your Bluetooth off, unless you are currently connecting to something that requires Bluetooth. Don't have it on all the time because people be opening up that mouth and taking advantage of your Bluetooth. Oh really? Your blue teeth, yeah. Yeah, that's what I heard. Um, but you got a new car. So I, I finally did it. Mm -hmm. I got a new car 
And I, I've had in my mind, I want to get an electric vehicle. Of course. And I'm like, you know what? This is, this is my opportunity to splurge. You know, I, I mean, I've, I've done some things to splurge, but this is the first time I'm like, this is like a, this is the quintessential splurge on myself. Oh, come That's on. what I've done. Cause you can use a different word. I got an electric car. Um, I test drove a Tesla, and then I looked at the price tag on that thing, and I just could not bring myself to do it. Yeah. Especially when you you were looking at the what the X, which is just I mean, if you get, if you get said, one brand new, I didn't need to get the car. Ridiculous. She said I needed to get the SUV, get the X, so that like if the whole family needed to go somewhere, we could still all technically get in it. So I'm like, okay, really, uh, that's a requirement. I, I think I do think that that's kind of important. Yeah, she talked me into that because I test drove a um, a BMW, the 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 i three or something. Three, yeah. It's like that, it kind of looks like a bigger, slightly visual burger, bigger version of a smart car. It's the one that Katie Couric and Bryant Gumbel were in the commercial making fun of themselves from talking about the internet um, in that campaign. Not a lot of bells and whistles on that BMW. I'm like, if I'm gonna get a BMW, it needs to have bells and freaking whistles. It did not have any, and the reason was to keep it lighter so it could have a, a greater range. And they're still trying to sell you on, and you put a little, a little gas engine in the back as a backup. And I'm like, for some reason, as anxious as I get about things, I wanted to fully commit to an electric car. I mean, it's, we also have a gas power car if we go on like a trip or camping or something. So it's like, yeah. I, I don't have what they call range anxiety. Well, you've I have the, all other types of anxiety. Yeah, but you've had the car for a week. I mean, you don't know what kind of anxiety you're gonna Most have. Most people have it and it keeps them from considering a fully electric vehicle. I thought range anxiety is when you're in the car and you start well, looking at no, that meter. But yes, but it starts with deciding if you're gonna, this is gonna be okay. your car. Okay, all right. I think I have that. I looked at the Audi e-tron, you gotta, I had to sign up on like a, a waiting list for like months and months and months to get this thing. So they kinda tricked me into full splurge because you go on and you you configure your car and you're like, you place an order and they're like, well, you can change this before we we get it goes to the plant to be made. And so I'm like, you know what? I'm going all the way. And I said yes to everything. Yeah. I never went back onto the screen, which I, you know, you might call that the website. I call it the screen. <laughs> and like really say, you know what? I'm not gonna get this because it costs a little more and I'm not gonna get this addition. It's like it's the first time I've ever said yes to everything, all the accessories for anything. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm usually the one that's like, yeah, I'll get it, but you know, I'm not gonna get this and this and this. Next email I got, they were shipping the thing. Yeah, and I was like, too late now. I've, I've talked my, I've, I backed into the splurge. And again, I just feel like I'm, I'm, ha I'm almost apologizing. But it's like, because that I just, yeah, I have a hard time spending money. But I, so I got this thing. Are you apologizing for the massaging seats? <laughs> it has, it's got seats that massage. I, I was, and you know what? Your seat gave me a massage. I, I don't know if you could tell by the look on my face, but I requested one by pressing the buttons, and I got one the other day when I was. It not only has a massage; it's got like six different types of massage. Oh, I, yeah, she went up to the shoulders. I don't know why Three I just said she. The seat, the seat went up to the shoulders, the lower back, mid back, and then I put on the ventilation in your nice leather perforated seats. Yes. Yeah, you do the bragging for me, man. <laughs> That's, this is good. So um, I take Lando to school uh, yesterday. Of course, I, 
I usually am the one to take him to school. Christy takes Lillian Lincoln to high school, both in high school now, a little bit earlier. Mm-hmm. And um, he all he got he got he went around and he got in the front seat. He said, "I'm getting in the front seat." And I was I looked at him weird because like he insists on me chauffeuring him to school. Like he would always get in the back seat of the Scion. He would never get in the front seat with me. Really, most kids as soon as they have the opportunity to get into the front seat are up there. Uh, so and I was like, and I don't exactly know why. My theory was when he got out of the front seat, I'm more visible and if any of the other students can see it's me, he's like self-conscious about his dad being recognized as that guy from the internet. He, he hasn't outright told me that, but I think that was part of it. Okay. He like, he wants to slip out of the back and. Put him in the trunk, back <laughs> into school. Minimize. But he got. Who was that, I don't know. He's like, I'm getting in the front seat. Of course he's in fourth grade now, so. Maybe he's over the whole dad's famous. He's like, he's realized it's not, who cares? But what he really did was he wanted that massager. I'm like, yeah, okay, here's another benefit. My son is now riding beside me on the way to school. I can actually look at him a little bit when we're yeah. when we're driving in. And he's so relaxed when he gets there. Yeah, he's just he's just like to a- To wake him up, son, we're at school. Like a puddle of mud. Um, but I'll tell you, this thing's got so much stuff, so many cameras, so many, blings and blasts and whistles and alerts and screens that I don't know where to look. Yeah, I mean you were backing up the other day and I actually saw one view was just a colonoscopy of myself. <laughs> it was like, I was like, yeah. how, where, how did the camera get there? Um, it's actually. Uh, I need to see a doctor. It's a colon cleanse, it's a colonic. It's a, it's colonic. a colonic machine, it's, so it's not, it's not doctor certified, it's more just like Woo science, right? Kind of thing. Yeah, but it drains directly onto the street, so I don't have to, <laughs> oh, it's not like I have to clean it up or anything. Oh gosh! Um, I mean, I don't know if you noticed, but I'm we're going to this. I'm driving. Well, first of all, I'm offering to drive now. Uh, yeah, and then because I feel like I feel like I'm just driving. It's fr- free. It's just fr- I feel like I'm. I never go to a gas station. Sure, I plug it into that thing when I get home, but I just feel like it's free fuel. Now the sticker on the car said you saved like $2,500 over five years in fuel cost. I'm like, man, that's that's depressingly low. Well, because you know the ironic thing is that the fuel that you're using at home, the, the electricity that you're using at home is most likely generated by fossil fuels, but that is not a reason to that's not changing. transition to an electric car. My, one of my main motives- Because we're in it for the long for the haul, the environment, folks. baby. Yeah. So it, I mean, there's zero emissions. It's better for it. Yeah, it's, it's the right thing to do, but it is an expensive thing to do at this point, and you can't really do it to save money. But it's also a better driving experience. Let me tell you, man. I told Christy first time I got in this thing. I'm like, we are driving in the future. It just feels that way. It's like I've never been in a car. I've never owned a car that had acceleration. I'm like accelerating for the first time in a car. Just and it's exhilarating to accelerate. But let me tell you, with so much to look at and listen to and be distracted by, I, uh, I'm, I'm putting, I'm putting myself, passengers, and there everyone some, around me. There in have danger. been some close calls. You ran, you ran two red lights yesterday. Just I yesterday never run alone. red lights. Like I ran two red lights yesterday because yeah. it I'm, also takes you. I mean, I'm it, looking at other things. It already takes you a long time to get in and go, begin going because there's lots of things that happen, and then it takes you a long time to get out of the car. It's been taking you. 
I'd say an extra 45 seconds on top of your already like 120 second routine. Well, I don't even know where to put, how to start it yet. Yeah. Running red lights, if I get it started, I mean like I almost hit a pedestrian. And here's the thing, it's so quiet. You know they add a little sound Oh, like it's a, it's legally, a, there's well, a little sound that they add. It's a futuristic sound. When you pulled up at my house with it for the first time, it was like, like that, that's that, the sound. That is not necessary for the operation of the vehicle. That it's is safety. That is added for safety and only. It, well, and no, and coolness. And in reverse, it makes it a sound different sound. I've never been. I've never heard it from the outside. Well, let me drive it. I'll drive it around you. I'll drive a circle around you. You can stand outside and listen to it. Okay, that's about as far as I'll let you drive. I have. I did let Lily drive it. I was pretty nervous about that, but yeah, Christy has not driven it. So yeah, I, but you're gonna let her. I I feel guilty about about doing it, but I'm also having the time of my life behind the wheel. Yeah, man, splurge yourself. And I would think Audi. But it's not like I got a discount, so not a sponsor. I mean, you did buy it. You did order it d- directly after we attended that Audi dinner. That's true. That was one of the coolest experiences we've had uh, in our in terms of like the whole like name dropping kind of situation. Have we, we dropped those names? Because let's do it, Don Cheadle. Yeah, we had dinner and a very small group of people and and. Freaking Don Cheadle was there. That's all I gotta say. I assumed he'd be nice, but he was an unexpectedly so jovial nice. guy. So nice. Like, did you know that the first adjective you would use to describe Don Cheadle would be jovial? <laughs> well, like, dude is jovial. Yeah, yeah. Almost festive. And it like, felt like Chris. It feels like Christmas around the guy. And like very engaged with whatever it is that everyone's talking about. Um, Kumail Nanjiani. Um, we sat next to him, and we were talking about the Etron, and he was like. I don't quite, I mean it's basically just a station wagon. <laughs> and I'm like. Yeah, yeah that's you're right. what I want bro. I mean it's not, it, it, so in a, I, I would have to agree with that. It's kind of it's kind of a practical thing which makes it, it's not like flashy. No. It's got, you, you, it's got all the bells and whistles. And you also, you went with like, and it's, uh, I, I, I like the color. Yeah. It's a cool color, but it's cool because it's not cool. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? I never saw it in a car when I ordered it. I was like, oh, you this is like. A, you got a tan beige. station wagon. Yeah, I did. You got a beige station wagon. No, it's not really, it's not, it's a sexy but experience. It looks, it looks very futuristic. And, 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 and Not and, as much as a Tesla though. Like it's got a grill even though it doesn't need a but grill. so many people are driving a Tesla. You yeah. know? I mean, it's yeah. around here, it's just like, that's it. It basically just looks like another Audi. It looks, it looks like it's not a fully electronic vehicle. Because of the grill and stuff like that. Yeah, until you hear that. Yeah, so you know incognito. It is. Yeah. Well, I, I'm I'm happy. No mufflers. For, I'm happy for you. No mufflers. That's my favorite part. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, I got you, a new car. You getting a new hair? The side effect of you driving more though is that you don't. You're not great at carrying on a conversation while driving, so it makes. Uh, you know, there's a little bit. That's a little bit of a bummer. Yeah, but, it's not uh, fully. So, it'll almost so it'll almost drive itself. Yeah, and then I can start talking right. when I get in that mode. Once I figure out how to use that. Okay. Uh, well, if we have any more harrowing or non-harrowing experiences in in your car, or and I get any more massages, we'll we'll, we'll keep you updated on that. You need a massage chair. These need to be massage chairs. No, you can't. No, keep it to the car. 
Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. So I, I think I've only told, the, the largest group of people I told, I think I, I told uh, the Mythical Society members during one of the uh, the monthly vlogs, we have like a monthly vlog over there, the Mythical Society, and I said I was, good, I, I basically said I was thinking about, didn't wanna fully commit to, saying that I was growing my hair and my beard out. Um, but I haven't talked about it here. I did say I would talk about why. Well, first of all, like in most people, you know, my hair and my beard have a certain cycle. And, and most people have sort of recognized like, I let my hair or my facial hair grow to this point and then I get it cut. Probably a lot of dudes are like on a monthly schedule six weeks maybe and uh i just got to the end of one of my cycles and i was like i don't think i'm gonna cut it and, and you're talking about the hair at this point because the beard you would trim more often than that the beard i would trim more often um but so the other thing that so the the thing the thing that coincided with this and and was the motivation for it, the primary motivation for it, um, is, and I've I've given a little background on this, but in therapy, sort of the main thing that I am kind of focusing on um, is style. Is yeah, it's just looking better. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, is damn. We're already talking about therapy. Moving, good. moving from the head to the heart. Now, okay, scientifically speaking, what, is there really a difference? I'm t what I'm talking about is the principle of em of embodiment. Um, and yeah, we're we're in L.A. now, and we hang around folks who talk about things like embodiment and do things like embodiment workshops. Yeah, you can. You can shake your head or what your whatever you do to those kinds of things if if you're not into it. But I would say that, as I hopefully have demonstrated uh, and have talked about, just the idea of getting more in touch with uh, my feelings because I tend to be a super heady person. And actually, if you ask me what I'm feeling about something, I will tell you what I'm thinking about it. And this is a this is a pretty. Uh, I would say that this is a huge issue. I don't know how to tell you how I feel, I just tell you how I think. You can Jimmy lead Stewart. A, you can, John Wayne, you can lead a horse. <laughs> okay. You can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him feel. I think Jimmy Stewart and John Wayne had a love child and that's what you just impersonated. Um, well that makes me feel criticized. <laughs> Um, so, and you know the interesting thing is, and this is a thing that I have discovered in, in therapy, is uh, I will cry very easily. Uh, Feldman, I was at Feldman's wedding uh, this past weekend. I cried at your wedding. Congratulations, Feldman. Um, you made Rhett cry. 
Uh, now, what kind of cry was it? Cause... It was a, it was a, it was a just a John Paul Jones for those of you who watch Bachelor in Paradise. Uh, it was just a heaving. No, it wasn't. It wasn't anything like that. It was just my eyes welled up with tears. I don't believe that a tear dropped. Uh, but my, you were, you were I got mis, I got misty eyed. You were sad for Stacy when you <laughs> when I thought about what Stacy was going to have to endure for the next <laughs> few decades. Um, joy, we're talking tears of joy. Yeah, and I will cry easily at a movie. I will cry. I will cry at an emotional commercial. Like every once in a while, there's one of those Super Bowl commercials, and it's usually like about something like a Dodge truck. But it's the whole thing is very like emotional and. And it doesn't take much to get to get the the waterworks going for me, but that actually is not evidence of sensitivity. It's actually evidence of my tendency to, because all humans have to have some kind of release of your emotions, right? Now, typically, uh, for me, it's going to come out with crying at things that there are no I have no personal stakes in. Sorry to say it. Feldman, I don't have any personal stakes in your marriage. Uh, I see your marriage like a commercial that I'm just viewing passively. <laughs> and so I'm very, it, it doesn't take much to make me start crying at that because you need to let it out somehow. I wonder what my release is. I think it might be just clenching my, my butthole. Butt, my butthole. Yeah, you should see it. Which is ironic. You should see a therapist there's not about a lot that. Of, <laughs> not a lot of release associated with clenching, but like. Yeah. But that. Well, there's got to be. That's the clinch. So the re, what do you? What is the release for me? I don't know. A fart. <laughs> no. Uh, I don't know. I well, and the other release for me is anger, which I would think is the same for you as well. You know, you're in that situation where your family really hasn't done anything at all that warrants you being pissed, but your fuse is pretty short, and it's because you got to. You're dealing with frustrations at work or anxiety. Uh, about your life or your career or whatever. For me, a lot of times it's just this general level of frustration with the things that we're trying to create and make better, um, and like creative aspirations being, you know, restricted in some way, or thinking about our the future and are we still going to be relevant? Whatever, all those things that kind of get rolled up, and or maybe just you're just doing a whole lot of things at once. The stress comes in, and then it's got to find a way out. Uh, and so a lot of times with me, it'll just be an angry outburst, not like physical thing, but just like a short, uh, uncharitable tone or word mm -hmm. with my kids or my wife. And so I'm, I'm dealing with that because a lot, cause the thing that my therapist is trying to get me to do is just be like, okay, when you are experiencing something, don't just immediately move to what do you think about it? Because I'm also a huge problem solver, and so if like if you, even if somebody tells me an an issue that they have emotionally, the way I respond to that is to tell you what you should do. Like, or even if you know it's not polite to say it, because it you know it's like in your mind or in my mind, it's immediately like, well, if it were me, I would do this. My next step would be this. My action would be this. And this is problematic in relationships, of course. Right. So if your wife comes to you and says that this is how I feel about this or I had a bad day and this is specifically what happened, you know, my typical response is to be like, well, what are we gonna do about it? Here's my advice. And well, she's not interested in my advice. She's interested in me having some empathy and feeling along with her. Yeah. Now, 
related to that, one of the things that I'm trying to do is sort of live more in this part of my body. Like, and so again, this is, these are basically just tools. I don't think that I'm, there's some like center of mass of my soul that is literally moving down to my heart. But there is this like physical like question of like, where do I feel this thing? And like, how do I, how, how do I embody this on a more consistent basis? So I could be in a situation where I'm just interacting with somebody and I could be like, don't just think about what they're saying and think about this conversation, feel what they're saying and feel this conversation and be in your heart and you will be a more connected, present person. Yeah, I'm, you know, we got an advanced copy of our friend Mike, Science Mike McCarg's new book, which I'm sure we'll talk about more later, but um, I probably shouldn't talk about his book, which he gave us a sneak peek, but screw it. <laughs> he said, you know, he's talking about how you have a nervous system built around your, like your digestive system, for example. Yeah. It's, it's not, nerves aren't just to feel at your fingertips, but it's, to give feedback, um, and if I'm not mistaken, like independent of like rational parts of your brain, like well, I mean, a lot of your nervous system it just it works and sends signals, and your body responds automatically. Yeah. But there's, but there's actually there's feeling and sensation associated with these things, whether it's digestion or. Um, yeah, there there is a rea- there is a scientific or, reality to it. I, I I obviously I don't understand it or can't explain it as well as Mike can. But it, but knowing that is another access point to I think what you're talking about, which is beginning to awaken to the fact that everything doesn't happen in our rational, um, our experience is not just limited to, to what we can filter rationally. That's what you're saying, right? Yeah, and well, and also it's, if you're like me, you can have a tendency to just come to the conclusion that this is my personality. My personality is not very emotional. Hmm. Um, like I'm not one of those emotional people. There's not a lot of drama. In reality, I'm just really good in certain circumstances at behaving well. Uh, but because I'm a human, that stuff that goes in is going to come out in some form, like we discussed. Um, and for me, it's these unhealthy ways. So all that to say that sort of my mantra, and this is it's very difficult to remember to do this. My mantra has just to be like, be in the heart, be in the heart, you know? Uh, and and where does my hair and my beard come, come into this? Well, but even, that is the that is the question, but before you answer that, I I actually. So if that's your if that's your mantra, the thing that you repeat to yourself, a how do you do that, and like what does the mantra part mean, and then what is the, what 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 is the specific action point? Like what do you do to be in the heart? Well, I'm f- first of all I'm figuring that out. Now one one thing I do is you said mantra. So first of all, are you like repeating over and over again that s- phrase? Not out loud necessarily. It's, it's more, when I find myself in a situation, I'm like how can I be more embodied right now in this conversation, in this interaction, uh, in this moment, whatever. But practically, 
um, I think it happens in a couple of ways. One is asking myself, what do I feel about something as opposed to just what do I think about it? I think I got enough thinking going on for like a, a dozen people. I'm not about to think not enough about something. So uh, it, it's more like, okay, but what I can do, and this is this closes me off in relationship, is to just think about things. And so it's like, okay, well, what do you feel about that? To actually feel it, take a moment to like, where do you feel it? And what is the feeling? I mean, a lot of times my therapist asks me, but no, no, what, but what do you feel, what do you, how do you feel about that? And I'm like, I don't know what I feel about it, but I can tell you what I think about it. Mm-hmm. So it's asking that question. The second part of it, um, I think for me, a big part of kind of being present in like a conversation is not, and especially in a in in a group, maybe a, a, not necessarily a large group, but where I tend to go into my performance mode, and this gets into a little bit of the which we still haven't done a podcast on this, the enneagram stuff, which uh, it's essentially just a way to think about your personality. It's not particularly scientific, but it's not like uh, astrology. It's not. It, it's it's just based on observation, and I tend to be a performer, and so. I kind of adapt to certain environments. So it's like, okay, I'm in this type of environment with these type of people. I'm pretty good at figuring out very quickly, how do you succeed at being liked in this situation? Like what kind of humor, what kind of conversational topics need to be deployed in this conver- in this group to be seen as relevant, a leader, just to perform well? That is my default, but for me, it's saying, okay, you kind of break that cycle of trying to perform and move into a place that is more like not. In, for me, that's not filtering what I say. Now, this is you don't. This is not your issue. You don't have a filter, but I think that that's a healthy thing in a lot of ways. It can get you into trouble and maybe make you have to apologize more than the average person. But um, for me. It's saying like, I'm actually going to say the first thing that I feel about this thing that we're talking about and I'm not going to run it through the, how does this fit into my overall performance in this setting? Now that's a very, it happens quick, very quickly, right? And it's very difficult to decipher between, when is this an authentic, I'm just speaking from the heart and just saying what I think and when is this my sort of curated thought because mm-hmm. I'm so good at getting to the curated thought very quickly. am I speaking quickly. from honesty versus speaking for effect? Yeah, so I, I would say practically those are the two things. I'm not saying that I'm good at it. So for the first one, I'm curious, is there something I would, maybe small, like an example of something where it's like, what was the mantra again? How do I feel about this? Be in the heart. Be in the heart. Like, can you think of a recent example where it's like, where you where you redirect it in that way. Well, I think it happens more often in, um, I, I think I'm t- trying to apply it mostly in my conversations with, you know, my family. Or, you know, in, t- in talking to my mom, I think is a good example of like, um, you know, in her recovery. And then she's had a couple of little setbacks with some things unrelated to the, the, the ankle that have put her in the hospital. I think she's gonna be fine. But even in a conversation with her, um, not just being like, okay, my role here is just the, you know, the inquisitive concerned son, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, but again, I, I'm not good at it. 
You know, and, and going from the stages of like, I, if you go back before therapy, I was basically unaware that this was a problem. And now I've kind of moved into an awareness that it's a problem, but not necessarily an ability to always act and, and, and change. And I'm trying to move to a conscious awareness where I'm actually actively doing these things. So that's, that's I don't know how long it's gonna take to get there. That's that's what I'm working on. But when you're on the phone, you're you're no longer just asking for like the de- give me the update. What is it? Are you in the, oh you had to go back to the hospital. What is the doctor saying? What's the next step? What's the plan? Okay, let me know. Let me know when you get the results or whatever, right? You're trying to move beyond just the practical. Yeah, and it's not again, it's not easy. I it, I'm not good at being well, how like how, how are you feeling about all this? Would you we could be so sim- as simple as as that is like entering into a real conversation. Um so I don't have a whole lot of examples of like this is how I do it because it's more just like I know it's a problem and I'm trying to solve the problem. It's interesting because it's compounded, I would imagine in those moments because it's for someone who's like maybe this is this this has always come easy to them, and that's not me either, by the way. But so someone that's not either one of us that it would come easy to, again, just like empathy or like feeling someone's pain is just something that just comes out of them. This is my wife. But so for you, it's interesting that in making that effort, I think I would imagine there's a roadblock, and I guess I, I've experienced this too that like there's an added roadblock of a self-awareness that's like, there's a vulnerability to even trying that makes it even more difficult, right? It's like, now all of a sudden, I'm gonna, instead of hanging up and saying, love you mom, I'm gonna say, how do you feel? Or I'm gonna make the decision to share how what she shared with me made me feel. I'm gonna share that with her. And then it's like, I'm gonna do this now and and it's gonna feel weird to me. It might feel weird to my mom, it might like what's my my tone? What's my tone of voice when I start to exercise empathy? You know, it's like I would imagine because we think similarly in this way that like we're so self-aware that when we start to you start to engage those things that like all of these signals keep saying it's not worth it, right? Like even something as simple as like, well, what does my voice sound like when I'm more empathetic? You know. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean it's, yeah, and I, I do think it's a separate issue, but yeah, it's a compounding issue. But I think that it's just something that is, um, I think that our self-awareness is what makes us good at what we do. Yeah. Um, and it's why we can move into different environments. It's why we can host, it's why we can host a podcast the way that we do. It's why we can host Good Mythical Morning. Yeah. And it's, and. I'm not. You're aware of how, the, yeah. the better we are, the more we're aware of how every single thing strikes a viewer. We're pretty good at stepping out and observing exactly the way something that we're doing would be interpreted or understood or experienced by an audience. That's entertainment. Um, and While it, simultaneously being in the moment as much as possible, which does require a level of feigning it well, and I, and as I, a performer. And I think that being a good performer Definitely works against all of this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You, you know what I'm saying? I, I think that the people who are probably the best and the most embodied, uh, they might be a great dancer. You know what I'm saying? Like if you take something that's yeah. like this, dancing 
Oh, you know what? I, I'm another. I'm gonna go back to your wedding again. Uh, there, I, I did a little dancing at your wedding, not a lot, uh, but and but again, I dance for show. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Traditionally, yeah, well, I, I move my body in a kind of a weird way, and uh, I'm doing it kind of to entertain people who are watching. But, but I'm not dancing like nobody's watching. And there's. It, what is the dance, Feldman? When everybody was circling your moms. The Mitzka. The, the Mitzka. Mitzka. So everybody starts doing these concentric circles of. Uh, oh, that's the Hora. The, the Hora. Hora. Okay, the Hora. It's the Mitzka, that's the crowning service, and then, or the, the crowning ceremony when the parents, uh, the last children of the parents are married off. They get crowned. Oh, when the oh, last okay. children of the parents are married off, they get crowned, and everyone dances in Around concentric. Them. Kisses them and then it goes circles in, and then our DJ mixed it into the horror and then he yeah. mixed it into the horror. But okay, so it's a com- it was a communal dance, which by definition is not about an individual's performance. And it's funny because I felt having never done it, um, there's this yeah I felt the same thing that I think you're describing, which is like all of a sudden we're like linking hands with people. Christy and then somebody I didn't even know, and then we're like doing these consent. I can see you on the other side of the circle, out of the corner of my eye. I know that you're probably fe- having a similar experience to me, which is like, I'm doing this, but I'm not really giving myself over to it, right? Yeah. It's like I'm conjuring up the, like I'm I'm setting my pride aside that like but, this is about but, being but a part I will, of something. But I will say that even in that moment. I am doing it more than I ever have. I am I am giving myself over to the joy of dancing in a circle. Really? And that's the exercise. Yeah. Because yeah, cuz the natural inclination is well like if there's a if the if the whole mob of people on the dance floor form a circle and then they want someone to go in there and show what's up then it's like, oh, there's an opportunity to perform. It's like, yes, I'm going to do that. Well, and I, and I'm a little, I'm a little shy. I'm a little shy in those situations. But then, if the right opportunity strikes, I will go into the circle and make a memory for people. <laughs> <laughs> but the, but the giving yourself over to dance in a communal environment like that. And that's why in these, I haven't been to an embodiment workshop, but an embodiment workshop does involve, and you have been I to have. One, does I've involve done it. like freely moving your body in a way that is without self-regard, you know, without self-consciousness. And, and yeah, I, it is all, this is all, this is all related to what I'm kind of dealing with in therapy. And I do think that um, our reputation I don't know. And again, I think that this is this is definitely an issue for both of us. This isn't this is an issue for everyone. Everyone has this like I am this kind of person, and I don't want to f- feel uncomfortable, and I don't want anybody to make me feel uncomfortable. Everybody has their own version of what that is. Uh, but I think in my family growing up, it's like we knew, like we kind of prided ourselves selves on you know being good at things and seeming like we know what the hell we're talking about. And if we don't know what the hell we're talking about, we're probably not gonna talk about it. But we think that we know a lot about a lot of things, so we end up talking about a lot of things. And um, it's like, again, I'm, yeah, it's, 
and then there's the opposite of that, which is just like this. If you just picture this, like hippie, just <laughs> just moving their body to the music <laughs> at uh, Woodstock. It's hey. like that person. Now, first of all, because you're humans and we all have egos, I understand how. And this is what we're going to get into when we talk about my hair in a second. When we finally get to my hair and beard. Um, the act of seeming like you don't give a fuck <laughs> can actually become uh, very much that you do care a lot about how you're being perceived because it's very difficult for humans to parse that. Okay. And, and, and it might be difficult to decipher between this person really is embodied and doesn't care about what people think about them. They look exactly like this person, but this person actually is doing this because they care about what okay. people think. I think. Yeah, okay, I'm starting to understand where you're going. So just hit us with the hair therapy. Oh, the therapy. Therapy. That's what, the therapy. Um, hit us with that. Okay, in trying to find other practical things that I can do to reinforce this sort of direction that I am moving as a person uh, in the same way that someone might wear, oh, I've got this little rubber band that every time I see it, I think, be in the heart. You know, there's some kind of physical clue or, or uh, you know, a, a, a um, maybe a tattoo of a heart. Something that helps on you. your heart. I don't know what the, there's a word for that, but I don't know exactly what it is. I think that. If I if I look at a picture of the future me, and it's the more embodied me, he has long hair and a beard and a long beard. Why? <laughs> well, you know, you think about someone who has thrown caution to the wind and is sort of just trying to be in concert with the forces of the universe, and is. Uh, a member is a interdependent member of the global community. There's a reason that you you see somebody with long hair and a beard, and you're like, okay, they're either homeless or Jesus. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Or uh, or uh, you're saying enlightened? No, 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 no. I'm not saying enlightened by any means. I'm just saying that like they. They kind of look like they're not trying a whole lot uh, to like get everything exactly trimmed up and combed in exactly the right way to then get into the mold that people expect. But I also think so that you're saying grooming. There's a reason that there's a correlation between well, grooming. I think this is and pretty like, simple. Yeah, I'm just just, you, just to state it simply. If you go to Woodstock, you didn't see a lot of people with buzz cuts and military style haircuts. It was like long hair, beard, hippie, no bras. It's a it's a relaxing of standards and a relaxing of trying to hold some sort of mold and fit into a certain thing. Now, again, we'll talk about how, well, they actually became, the counterculture became the culture in a lot of ways and subcultures become oppressive cultures that expect people to do something to fit in. We're not but talking about that. But to state it simply, a yes. lack of, like a, a loosening of outward perceived grooming is a, is, is a reflection of more of an inward grooming. Like spending your energy on not what other pe how other people perceive you externally, but how you perceive yourself internally. 
Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's it, it it's the again, so it, it's it's the Which is different than saying you know, I want to become I want to become more woke. I want to be like a guru, so I want to look like a guru. <laughs> yeah, it's You're that, not saying it, that. I'm not saying that at all. Now, that that is the underlying reason. Now, there's so, all, but but don't say but yet. Just one more thing. so and you got excited about that thought because first of all, it was you, you wanted something physical that you could do for yourself. I think that, that I, and that's what you came up with. I think that I feel like I'm in a pretty lengthy, but very purposeful personal transition. Been in it for a while. I hope to always be in transition, right? But I kind of have a little bit more. Uh, last few years have been. The last decade has been pretty interesting in terms of like figuring out who is it that I'm that I want to be like what what do I want my life to be defined by, and uh, I do think that some of that has come in come more into focus in the past few years, um, and so I think that this is just this feels like uh, an and sort of an alignment as you try to like grab things in your life and align them towards something. An outward sign of an inward commitment. Yes, like baptism <laughs> that we learned about growing up. And now, um, and I will also say that there are, because I am a person who's on camera and I do care about my appearance, um, I cannot help but think, oh, but it's also kinda cool to try something. I haven't done this, I haven't grown my hair and my beard out, I wanna see what happens. Let's see what I can turn into physically, like a completely superficial perspective that I'm not, I'm not gonna lie to you and tell you that, though this is all about embodiment and being in the heart and that's why I wanna look like I'm at Woodstock. No, it's, it's also, it's kinda, I mean, there's a reason that it's kinda cool. You look at those pictures and like those people were kinda cool, right? And so there's, I understand that that's, that is a potential pitfall in this whole process is that, because it is about an external thing and then that can become some driving force and then I'm actually trying to be cool or thinking that I'm cool and then I'm kind of working against the whole thing. Right, can you have your cake and smoke it too? Because if this was not, this is not about humility because I think we're all very clear on the fact that if this was about humility, I would shave my head and shave my beard and I would look like the end of a pencil, like an eraser and you know, I don't have a chin that's worth talking about, uh, and um, I I just, I would not look, uh, for some reason I did that on my wedding day, yes, but I didn't look good, and it would not be attractive to the average person, and so if I wanted to be humble, I would do, that's more like a, a Buddhist tradition, right, is to like shave it all off, you're kind of, you're kind of, you're dying to yourself, you're becoming more like this other community, there's less things that distinguish you from another person, so the ego continues to die. Kind of, I mean this is something that's in many different religions, but I think the Buddhists have it figured out the most, and like this ego death thing, right? And so, that I am interested in ego death, <laughs> um, and continuing to like tear apart my ego that is a source of a lot of my problems, uh, but growing out your but, beard and hair is not going to I'm contribute not to that. Right. <clears throat> it might do the opposite. It might do the opposite. I, I agree that I think you're gonna look cooler. You know, it's like, it's someone who who doesn't care, but cares so, 
care so much about, could be caring so much about not seeming like he cares. That's cool. And I and it, in this town especially, where there's all types of people uh, doing different things physically, and they all look like they're trying really hard, even the people who look like they're not trying. Like literally the only people who look like they're not trying are the homeless people, <laughs> to be frank. And, and sometimes you see somebody in like Silver Lake and you're like, homeless or hipster? It was, it's a game you can play. And it, it, because the fine, there's a fine line. And, and um, because you know, the unkempt beard and hair and ratty clothes can be some like a, a cool thing in certain cultures. So um yeah, so I, I'm a little I'm a little nervous about that. I will also say that I cannot guarantee that there will not be some other project or something that we commit ourselves to that means that I can't like let it keep growing, that I have to cut it for some reason. I don't know what that is. I, I have determined that like, you know, the typical stuff that we do, Good Mythical Morning, whatever, is not going to be significantly impacted by me growing my hair and my beard out. Now, I'm gonna continue to get more food on my beard when I eat and eating is a big part you of our show. Get, you gotta get better at that. And I, But I am trimming, so I tried to just send the mustache sideways but the nature of my hair is that it's, so wiry and even with like the strongest mustache wax I could find, it quickly goes back down. So I will be trimming the mustache is the only thing I plan to trim for at least for a while. Like I'm not gonna like try to be shaping the beard into something that's like, oh that guy goes and gets his beard trimmed. Maybe I'll do that at some point, but this is really just about what's gonna happen. But you're doing it, just to recenter here and just to, just to couch the challenge that faces you. You're doing this in order to care less about how you're perceived. I would say that is a secondary reason. I think that this is a physical manifestation of something I'm trying to manifest internally, which is being more present, more out of my head and into my heart. And so, so as more hair grows out of your head, that's a reminder, I'm getting a little too technical, aren't I? Yeah, it's not it's not like some super I didn't like go up to the top of the mountain and wait for a sign. I mean, it it wasn't like some I had a dream and it is to never cut my hair again. You know, it's that's not what's going on. It's just like, hey, there's a few things lining up here. But I I guess when you try when you really try to summarize it, I'm trying to be more like get more in touch with my feelings or say it different ways, like be more at, like live more from my heart than my head. Therefore, I'm letting my hair grow out. It's like, it, I don't. If you just told somebody that, they wouldn't. I don't. I I think I disagree with you, because I think that if you think about somebody, if you just talk about the idea of embodiment, and you use the example of like what was, and I realize that the cultural revolution that happened in the '60s and the '70s was kind of rebelling against conformity and societal expectations and and that's why, and that's one of the reasons people were growing their hair out because it was like, well men are not supposed to grow their hair out so we're gonna do that because it's counterculture. But I think that that whole like awakening and sort of like being present and being in the moment that kind of came with like embracing some Eastern philosophies, I think there's a reason that you 
there is a reason that you picture somebody when you you, you see somebody with like a military style haircut that's like all kind of like perfectly shaped and clean shaven and stuff like that. That doesn't say to you that person is living in their heart. I'm not okay, saying okay, yeah, it's so superficial in, because in, obviously you can have no hair and be in your heart. It's like in, in, yeah, inward focus versus outward focus. Yeah, of, of your own disposition. Yeah, and then so and then one example, like you're saying, a secondary thing of an outward focus would be people's perception of you. So then, the thing given our line of work is that you're gonna you're gonna get more feedback. You know, having changed my hairstyle drastically a couple of times, you know, I weathered the storm of a cavalcade of feedback. It's like you, it draws more attention. So it's like, you're gonna have to weather that. And a lot of that, some of that will be negative. Like, the reason why I'm I'm staying out of this is because first of all, it's not my place to give an opinion. This is, this is something that's, um, you know, for obvious reasons that we've discussed for 40 minutes. But also, I'm not opposed to it because I don't think it's gonna make you less cool, but I could be wrong and at that point there may need to be an intervention. <laughs> but for now, I'm quietly supportive from the sidelines. I don't know how. But I don't, how are you gonna weather the storm of in increased scrutiny? You in gonna, gonna be replying to comments? You gonna be posting selfies of beard progress? I mean, potentially, yeah, that second on that, I'm not gonna be replying to comments. What are you talking about, like people's critical comments? I'm just saying it's, if, if this is an inward focus, there's gonna be a temptation because there's gonna be so much oh, yeah. outward perception. Y yeah, you might say, why didn't you just let this happen instead of talking about it? Well, it's like, you're already talking about it. But but now what's, the, you, pl but what's the plan moving you, forward? You're biscuitier. Are we gonna keep talking about, are you gonna post selfies of your beard growth? Because that seems, that seems a little counter. I don't think I don't have to. to your, I don't have to post selfies of my beard growth because my beard growth is going to be cataloged through all the work that we do. I was just giving it. I, I was giving a working example of just trying to highlight the challenge that faces you. Well, the more you want to focus inward, I, I, the more I, people are going to focus on what you've done different. I, I don't outwardly. I personally don't. I'm not a huge fan when people talk about things in the way that I talked about it today. Um, I, I'm just like, just keep that to yourself, bruh. Uh, but the reason yeah. the the reason that I'm talking about it is because if we if I grow my hair and my beard out, all the assumptions, there would be just lots of speculation. Like, oh, they're got they have a project. In fact, I've already seen it. They have a project, and that's why Rhett's doing this. He's going to be some character in something that they're doing. A lot of people thought that my fake beard was back because my real yeah. beard, long, especially with my mustache kind of brushed out to the side, looked a lot like my fake beard. And so people were like, uh, he shaved his beard off. And, I, and it's like, don't, <laughs> if you're gonna speculate, at least you can know and maybe be even supportive of what my actual reason You didn't is. see any speculative comments that went something like, I bet this is an outward expression of an inward reality as a result of, you know, investing in himself in therapy. Yeah, I didn't expect that. That's why I'm talking about it. Yeah, no, no, you're not seeing any of that yet. And I'm also, you know, I, I, I'm a huge advocate for it. It's been, and I, I'm a huge advocate for therapy for people who do, think they don't need it because that's that was me. You know what I'm saying? It's um, for people who are like, I don't have an acute mental problem or emotional problem or even an acute trauma that I'm trying to work through. I'm just a person, 
I'm just a human. And I realize that therapy is a privilege. The fact that I can I can pay for it and I can afford it. Not everybody can do that. I'm just saying that for me, and it also seems like the most Los Angeles thing that you can possibly talk about is therapy. I get all that. I grew up in Bowie's Creek. You know what I'm saying? I still understand what that's about. But I want, because it's been so significant to to tackle these things personally, I just wanna continue to be an advocate for it. So I wanna be open about it. I wanna be vulnerable about it. I wanna talk about the changes that are taking place. Uh, so somebody else can learn before they turn 40 that hey, this stuff is very much worth dealing with now. I appreciate that. So when you see my long haired, long bearded self, you can just remember, I should go to therapy. <laughs> yeah, I really appreciate you sharing that and it makes it really difficult for me to make fun of you, but I'm still gonna try. <laughs> Also, can you find me as a therapist? I just, you know, it's like, it's not easy. Yeah. Of course, I haven't really tried. I mean, I've. You don't have to, it's like. I'm very much in favor of it, but it's so such a daunting task to get off the dime. I'm afraid that something, I'm gonna have to like, I don't know, something horrible is gonna have to happen in, for me to say I have to get a therapist, and that's, that's not, I don't want that to be the case. You can, there's many different resources that you can go and look at, I mean, in fact, this wasn't gonna be my my wreck. Oh, let's go to a wreck. And I don't. And make this it. Uh, I guess it's psychology.com, which we've actually, I think we've we've used several articles from psychology.com. Uh, psychology.com? Uh, you can go on psychology.com, go type in where you're at and what you need and what specific, specific specialty you're interested in and then therapists in your area, their profiles will come up and there's like a little bit of information about them and then links to their personal website if they have one and their contact information, including the insurance that they accept. So um, yeah, and I'm sure there's other resources. Again, this is not a sponsor, this is just a wreck. And I actually recommended it to somebody else recently. And um, so I don't know if there, there's a specific section for that. The website looks like it's from 19 freaking 91. Yeah, I mean, you got you know what? You don't have to be new school. But yeah, I think that there is a therapist directory. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, therapist directory. Um and like a lot of therapists in your area will come up as you do as you put in your information and then you can the ones that support, you know, take your insurance, you can I guess you can just call them or email them and tell them what you're after. You can see pictures of people if you're the kind of person that needs to see a picture of someone and know what it's gonna be like to sit across from them. I had another wreck and I'll just save that one. Save it, man, this is a good one. Um, let's see, what should my therapist um, specialty be? ADD, addiction, adolescent, adults, aging, agoraphobia. I'm, I'm, I'm not even having you, You're the just A's. in the ace. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot. You don't even necessarily have to specify a uh, specialty. Yeah, there's not, it's, I mean. You are an anything. adult though, you could just put adult. Adult. Or you could go to a children's therapist. I'm gonna put See adult. how that goes. <laughs> I'm gonna put adults. I thought you went to a children's therapist. Uh, he also, yeah, he's just family and kids as well. Yeah, yeah. you made a joke about something you're actually doing. <laughs> All right, hashtag Ear Biscuits, let us know. Um, what, we, we gotta title this one, Therapy and 
what does therapy have to do with Rhett's hair? I think it's, you know, I appreciate the fact that we had a great oh, discussion. Think, why and, am know, I growing my hair out? Is it wasn't. Prob- probably more clickable though. It wasn't, and, oh, you know. That's what, we're, that's what we're trying to do. I'm here. so glad this was meaningful and not not just about your hair actually. Oh. Well, what a relief. Well, thank you. You know, uh, I'm proud of us. I'm proud of you. <laughs> <laughs> Me too, Link. All right, I'm really trying to feel. I'm trying to what be you, in my heart. What do you feel moment. right now? I feel I feel like this is over. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>